and welcome to Paul and Moses Play, a celebration of games and play, and deep dive into video games and what make them so special to us. I'm your host, Paul Berberich, and with me, as always, is Dr. Moses Wolfenstein. Hello, Moses. Hello, Paul. We are back. Speaking of ghosts, there are ghosts aplenty in Elden Ring. And so, yeah, I mean, I don't know about you, but we were like speculating, like, what's the meaning of this tombstone thing that flashes? And I finally was like, oh, right. That means you can summon your, your little ghostly friends. Okay. That's what I thought. I'm like, oh, that's got to be what it is. And then it showed up on my screen and my summonses were grayed out, I believe. Okay. Fuck that theory. I'm wrong. <laughs> okay. So, you, yeah. Yeah. It was every very, time that yeah. I've seen it now so far, that's okay. been the case. Interesting. But, um, but you are a little deeper in the game than I am at this point. A little bit. I am still on the second main boss. I have not uh, found him yet. I am up in his castle and I yeah. did find a world boss that's like, what is it with attaching swords to creatures in that yeah. castle? Like first the birds and then that giant fucking cat who has swords attached to his like legs and just decimates me. Uh, and I'm trying to like, I'm maybe choosing to spawn in the wrong location have you not run into this yet so is that cat in the castle yeah oh Shit, yeah the man. castle's pretty big there's a i have not seen this cat and I it's encountered... not, like you come into this courtyard and it's not there and then like this vortex appears and it jumps out and just starts mauling the shit oh out of God. you God, that sounds yeah. amazing and it has big swords attached to its legs which i'm just like who well like, okay we kind of know who is it like walking on the swords like stilts like the the birds kind of do or I mean, it just pounces at you and these okay. just slashes the shit out oh of you. God. And it has a very large health pool and I am not trying to kill it yet. Yeah. I encountered a uh, a dog uh, sort of marionette in, a, in one of the side dungeons that looks like a cat. And I, okay. I thought it was a cat. Uh, but he just sort of floats in the around without like animating. It's very odd. And then he just like in one one like frame of animation like slashes you uh and one so, shots you um at the time yes yeah. excellent yeah. that's always brilliant have you found a painting in the castle i have yes i was slightly disappointed i was sure i was going to be pulled into a painting yeah although it's like find this place in the world now i think oh yeah i actually didn't paintings. check the item that i picked up because i was too busy still trying to run from where i was spawning to yeah. um basically trying to head north towards where I'm like, well, this part of the castle I haven't explored yet. And it's probably where the boss is given the, the layout, which incidentally, the idea that Elden Ring is Souls game for plebs, I'm, I'm actually, I continue to be on board with this notion. It has a map for fuck's sake. It actually gives you a map. Like how right. unsouls like is that, you know, you have a horse, you have a map. It's a very falling doesn't map. usually kill you unless you fall off of something. That's like, obviously a fall to your doom. Yeah. But all of those things make me think that, yes, the game is hard. Again, it's not for casuals, but um, compared to its predecessors, it is more, I think, in some ways, more accessible to a conventional gamer audience vis-a-vis uh, -vis some of those features. Yeah, um, I, I have a coworker, uh, and he has never played a Souls game, is completely unfamiliar with them, and with all the hype, like many others, has picked up Elden Ring, and just listening to his, he's like, how do I get how do I get money? I'm like, well, 
experience Funny points thing about that. are money and you can lose them and and yeah. he of course skipped the tutorial like i did on my first character just mm -hmm. like i know dark souls they want me to jump down into this pit and it's going to be bad and no right. it's the tutorial <laughs> yeah <laughs> i will say the the discovery that i did had about storm what, what's the name of the castle storm is it it's not storm wind uh storm. no that would be that would be very uh <laughs> right yeah wow uh, um storm keep or something yeah well i'm pretty sure that's where you start in the very beginning of the game i yes. think you actually start in the castle because i found one of those horrible grafted creatures that kills you that one shots you when your character first yes I, up. so i, I kind of put one and one together on that and it's actually the the islands the big towering cliffside islands to the west of the castle uh, uh okay uh, not directly connected but it is part of storm keep uh uh it, yeah you'll 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 see it when you well you'll see that, you'll that see makes it sense because i might have kind of seen that part from it it's all kind of connected with these big broken causeways and shit right it doesn't seem to be directly connected as far as i've been able to tell but storm veil storm veil yes thank you autocomplete yeah um but uh I meant Man, connected I, in terms of like uh, again broken causeways. Like there, there's a lot of stuff that, if you look at it on the map, it's like oh this was connected. Yeah. But this place is all fucking wrecked. Right. Um, for instance, I like ran out one of those causeways and found a like teleport thing that took you took me to the other end of the causeway, but I couldn't do anything there yet. Huh. Uh, but did wow. allow me to like pop over there, and I was like, okay, this is obviously for later in the game. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I'm. I'm liking it a lot, lot more, uh, sort of as I was hoping slash expecting. Yeah. Um, kind of grasping the the scope of it a little bit more. Um, the open world, I like it now uh, for okay. the most part. Exploring is really fun. Uh, and I might and have said this last time. So satisfying. Like whoever decided to give the horse a double jump. You like, didn't say that. Okay. It's, but that it feels mean, good. It doesn't it. feel like uh, a cheesy double jump. Yeah. In the same way that, like, it seems contradictory in uh, in a Soulsborne game to have a jump for your character, but it actually works out really well and adds to the fluidity of the combat with a jump attack. It does, which I always forget to use. I hardly, although I'm a, I'm a caster. So. You're a caster, so, like, for me, obviously, it's a little bit more baked in because I know that if I can get that off, plus maybe another couple of attacks, I might break stance and, yeah. and open up a nice opportunity to, to real deal, really deal some damage, so, yeah. But yeah, the, the verticality of the spaces is mm. fantastic. Jumping feels good. Like they've been getting better at their jump game for a while. Sekiro, you know, aced it. And oh, now yeah, they're like, right. okay, now we can design an entire world with, with jumping in mind. With meaningful verticality. I actually love how you can look at the map once you have like a, a portion of it filled out and mm. you can see like, oh, you know what, I'm going to have to like go east and then south or whatever in order to get down to this spot over here. But it is possible instead of it just being like, oh, this seems like a sheer drop. I guess I can't get down here, right? Yeah. Um, but, the, but the space has a lot of, uh, like, as you said, the verticality is meaningful. Yeah. Um, have you explored the, uh, you know, they have those keys that you put into the little gargoyles to open I've only up found the... one, one of those keys oh, okay. so far. Okay. Yeah. So you... There's, I found there's one of them. I'm looking for another because I found another spot to use one. Okay. Yeah. There's a, a side dungeon right at the beginning of the game in the first graveyard oh, really? area. And 
I, with my first character, I got the starting gift of the double stone keys. Yeah. And then went in there and was getting destroyed because uh, it's a trap laden nightmare. And oh, then God. just earlier, uh, like an hour ago, I finally found another key. Nice. Opened that back up, got a little deeper, and ended up losing like 3,000 runes because, <laughs> which isn't that much, but like, uh, it's it's madness. Yeah, actually, you're not. You can't be too too far ahead of me if three thousand is not that much. It's a, for me. That's still like that's probably a level. Okay. Um, but it's not like a stupid amount. You know, yeah. it's yeah. like what I'm expecting to be able to make and lose at this point. I will say, I I looked something up online in the most you know spoiler averse manner possible, but I was dying because I'm like, I have the crafting materials to do advanced improvements on weapons. And I cannot for the life of me find oh. basic crafting materials. And because I have two oh. swords, I need to level them both up. And yeah. I've only been able to level one of them up. And the hint that I found that I've not exploited yet was look in caves. And the yep. caves are well represented on the map. So I did, in fact, find a cave. Mm -hmm. um, and I've been uh, just starting to poke my head into it. But I was met by a, you know, a friendly and familiar foe, rats. Rats, yes. Yeah. Just as bad as ever. Uh, they're just terrible, especially when there are other other mobs around as well to pile on with the rats. Yeah. So it's been good, though. It's been good. I've also been uh, been getting a little bit of Apex in the mix um, because if I wanted like a shorter gaming session, I mean, I play just a couple of rounds and that's actually been going well. I have not been falling too much into the trap of like just one more round, just one more round. And I've been playing more Battle Royale so far this season than um, than arenas, which has been rewarding. I had a like three kill game yesterday which is not common for me but like hey i'm consistently dishing out over 300 damage when i get a three kill game that's like not some accidental bullshit but like i actually did some smart tactical maneuvering i'm like okay this is good and this is significant because um i don't know if i mentioned this i think i did i'm not promoting this uh locally but um i am the faculty advisor for el camino's esports club a role oh, nice. i kind of fell into um, and they are going to have their Apex tryouts Ooh. this Sunday. And I might actually help with the tryouts process because I contacted the uh, member of the club who's coordinating it. And I was like, by the way, the only competitive game y'all are fielding teams for that I play is Apex. I don't, it's probably not relevant. And he was like, actually, that's totally relevant because we're doing tryouts and I'd, I'd love it if you could help. I'm like, I've literally never been involved in any kind of team tryouts. I've been in many you know hiring committees and panels and such and i've you know auditioned musicians for bands this will be a little different it'll be interesting to see if it, how it goes if i in fact wind up playing a role in it but uh yeah you know the discord is all like needs to be pg so i'm like yeah i probably should not be letting el camino students know about this podcast if they stumble onto it it's fine <laughs> but we talk about life including personal history and topics like alcohol and marijuana is like you know don't need to go advertising yep 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 um well that's cool now from what you you were implying there you will not be filling uh, a role in the, the roster of oh god no no i'm not a student no. so i can't be on the team ah, and, right. and plus i mean bear in mind like i now suck at a level that is like oh a player who sucks as opposed to a complete fucking disaster right mm -hmm. like in the context of competitive players i'm absolute garbage mm -hmm. um but in the context of like casual players i'm okay yeah so you know um, so it's been good times, but honestly, like, uh, it, it is funny because I know if I'm, if I have time for Elden Ring and this, this week's just been a little crazy with personal life stuff, 
Like, I know if I only have a half hour to play, I don't want to fire up Elden Ring. <laughs> it's too compelling. Yeah. So and it's, it's like, it's more tempting to fire up Dark Souls 3, which I mm-hmm. keep meaning to do and be like, yeah. oh, fuck it, I can take a few swats of the princes because each run is only five minutes before I get killed. Right. Um, but honestly, like a successful run isn't going to be more than like eight or 10 minutes eventually. True. I, I can see the, the end of that fight as a possibility. It's not going to be a half hour boss fight. Oh, it's so hard, man. It's, it's brutal. But like, if you're going half an hour, you're dead. You can't yeah. like, there's just no way, especially as a caster that I think I could survive no. in that fight. Unless I were just like rolling around the room intentionally trying to draw it out. But what kind of masochist do you think I am? Uh, you could be, you could be practicing a normal souls playing masochist. Right. I'm not that crazy. Come on. Let's be reasonable. <laughs> Well, speaking of uh, of Souls games, um, Elden Ring, uh, I had, I had yes. just a little lay, lay it on me some more. Let's get a little to more. It. Um, so you know, I was on a, a quest for sorcery, uh, and I have found uh, a sorcery trainer, uh, two of them, in fact. Oh, good. Um, uh, did you find the one in the castle? Well, yes. So I guess you could say three, but he, he doesn't really count. Well, he gives you those those like gimmicky kind of like item-based sorceries, which as a, as a pure sorcerer, I I look down upon much like Draco Malfoy looks down upon the mudbloods. Sure. Um, It's a little bit stretched, but yes. (laughs) Um, But uh, yes, I did. I did find that uh, person as well. And just in the most delightful way, which I, uh, I won't uh, go into because you haven't probably been there. Yet I, I found uh, another trainer. Oh my god, dude! Just the from is just going for it. They always go for it, but like they don't give a fuck. They're like, if we want this thing, if we want like a giant dog with a sword in its mouth, mm-hmm. we're just gonna do it, you know, yeah. uh, and etc. and etc. But do you what feel I... the, the the influence from Martin on the writing in terms of like dialogue and characters? Only if I concentrate on it like yeah, it okay, doesn't feel that different from regular old like miyazaki style storytelling and lore um to me I it's do... like a it's a breadth thing that i feel like i can de- palpably detect that martin is adding mm-hmm. where it's like it's not just a question of some things are probably dead ends in terms of lore like you have this sense of confidence that there is a really thick uh game bible behind this oh yeah no doubt yeah and then i i wonder like how much because like as a english speaker mm-hmm. obviously they they go through like localization and everything but like so take the, the starting main area Limgrave, right yeah uh the game is all about limbs and like grafting extra limbs and like so Limgrave, it's spelled without a b of course but like did miyazaki tell him yo this game's all about limbs and stuff and then martin's like Oh, we'll call one of the areas Limgrave. Like, well, the guy who did uh, localization from the original games has also been involved in this game too. Mm-hmm. The who, who did the you know the, the translation into English. So I don't know. It's fascinating. Yeah. There are some interesting questions there. Yeah. Uh, have you been to the round table hold? Yes, you have. Okay, we just got yeah briefly. Us. I have not. I haven't been back. But that's okay. where you say when you find real trainers, they will make their way back to the hold. Um, in some instances, maybe not in all instances. Not. Not for me so far, although that okay, be... you, that was your suspicion last week, but uh, okay. apparently not. Yeah. Okay. Um, the uh, the last thing I want to touch on with Elden Ring is is a bit more of the lore, 
Um, so like there's this Erd tree right in the middle of the map. Well, which I assume is the middle of the map, the giant golden tree. There's only, aren't there several? Well, there are lesser Erd trees. Uh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Cause there are trees at like all of the edges of the map, not all of the edges. You know what I mean? Right. Though, that at multiple edges of the map, there are in fact Erd trees. Yeah. And, but the, the, the main Erd tree in the middle seems to be sort of spectral in a way, like it's translucent. Uh, yeah, now that you mention it, I guess uh, I am remembering that it had a little bit of a different look to it. But the other trees are are not. They are uh, corporeal. Yeah. And so then I was thinking, like, what if these aren't separate trees? What if these are branches that oh, have been sure. grafted on to the main tree? And then if you sort of, I'm, there's still most of the map is like un, unexplored for me. But yeah. I'm wondering if like uh, it's like a ring shape, like there's the tree in the middle and then there is this ring of terrain surrounding it, which has been shattered. And that's why there's all these like elevation differences. Oh, this is interesting. Uh, right. So much as the ring is, in fact, like a power item that there is another layer of ring at play here. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Um, so yeah, those those are my thoughts. I've gotten a little more, uh, and I'm I've been too like enthralled to take notes. I'm like I don't want to stop and write this down. I just want to be playing. Right. <laughs> so I've gotten a little more. Uh, so much for the grand note taking like, project. <laughs> General Radaman or whatever his name is, and then the the, the Moon Woman. Um, they had a uh, an affair or something, and like. Uh, so yeah, it's oh, so some of that has kind of slipped out. Interesting. Yeah, it's it's all it's still completely nebulous, and I'm sure even when I finish it, I still won't understand it. Um, yeah, but that's right. what subsequent playthroughs and and YouTube are for. Most definitely. Uh, for the time being, though, unless you had uh, anything more on uh, aught else to add, no, I don't. I don't believe that I do. I think uh, I think I'm good for today on Elden Ring all right. chat. Well, in that case, we will move along into our first feature of the show. It's time for Game Ranks. And Moses, I understand you wish to rank a game this week. I do wish to rank a game, uh, and I will. So this week, uh, you know, I, I'm still kind of uh, contemplating some of the long questions with regards to my ranks. Uh, so I was just looking for a good game to slot in after my ranking of Braid last week, uh, now in the, into my 43 slot. Uh, and I considered a couple of things uh, before I decided on this game, which is um, iconic and one of the first NES games that I played, uh, you know, again, with, with friends and, and neighbors and such, okay. Excitebike. Oh, wow. Yeah, absolutely. I don't have a huge amount to say about Excite Bike, except that it was a game that just absolutely grabbed a hold of me as like, this is awesome. This game is really cool and really fun. Um, and that it had something that it maybe was like the first game that had something like this, which was the track builder. Yeah. And that, that was like, I remember with friends spending as much time with the track builder as trying to play through like the actual set races. Nice. And, um, you know, so it, it's just like a crucial game that I think easily fits in my top 50. Uh, yeah. Not because of how I think it would necessarily hold up if I were to play it now. Um, it may or may not. It's hard to say. I haven't played, I've played Excite Bike like at an arcade uh, sometime within the last uh, few years. 
um, at like a retro arcade, but I, I, I certainly haven't played it on the NES, which honestly, if I wanted to, to give it a go of like, how does it feel to play it now? I want to play it on the darn NES. Mm-hmm. It never felt good playing it on, on the arcade uh, cabinet on the mm-hmm. kind of few occasions when I did uh, in, in my youth. And then, uh, you know, kind of more recently, it's like, oh yeah, I mean, I guess it's Excite Bike, but it just doesn't feel right without a, without a, a Nintendo controller in your hands. Yeah. Um, yeah, Excite Bike. It's one of those things where I, I've never quite, I've never quite gotten it. Uh, I, I've played it a, a handful of times. Like it was in, you could get the cartridge in Animal Crossing as an item and you could play it. Oh, nice. In your, yeah. in your house. I, I think I had it on Virtual Console too. Um, so yeah, I don't, I'm trying to think of what, I guess it, well, I don't know. Maybe it's one of those things that like you kind of had to be there because maybe it feels like limited in in the scope but like of course it is it's an nes that's not like a knock against it but it's it's an original like it is like an original five or whatever game release right it's one of the first games that was on that platform right but i mean what is it about excite bike for you that that gives it that enduring appeal that's more than nostalgia right like it's definitely more than nostalgia it's the the anchoring feel so i mean first of all i don't think that i would like trials as much as i do if it weren't for the fact that it's grounded on the excite bike style experience of like a speed trial racing i mean an excite bike it's racing against other racers who would like you know stop in front of you and screw you up and make you fall off your darn bike and it had those stupid moguls that are terrible to go over um but it was like with a really limited toolkit, it mm-hmm. created a really fun game experience in a style of like kind of a race plus like the jumping dynamic in it, um, even though it was, you know, always ultimately just a time trial. And then mixed with the fact that, sure, uh, it wasn't terribly complex in terms of like what what the toolkit, uh, you know, the, the colors in your palette, so to speak, in the track builder. Uh, but it allowed you to start building worlds with an out-of-the-box kit that was easy to use yeah um and so it's not just and and it's very close to nostalgia as the primary driver but it's something that's a little bit different it is uh kind of like ranking sim city the the foundational role that it played in things that would come after it in terms of things that are fundamental parts of game experiences for us now Mm -hmm. um the ability not just to to play the pre-created game but in in many great games to be able to to modify the world yourself or construct your own challenges i mean uh super mario maker uh you know style like it was it was the first as far as i can remember first game that um that ventured into that zone and and i think that it would still be pretty enjoyable to play for me that yeah that's what i was gonna ask next like it feels like it still would have uh, just it would be fun for you to play to this to this day and fulfill it. It's like original Legend of Zelda, like mm-hmm. which I have played not too too long ago. I've never beaten the original Legend of Zelda. I would like to go back and try it again at some point with some significant amount of time because it's a hard game. We should we should we should pass and play sometime because I've never beaten the original Legend of Zelda. See again, it's a fucking hard game, yeah. um, but it is still fun to play. It's still fun to go back to and play it. Actually, you know. It holds up remarkably well. Like, does Gyromite hold up that well? I kind of doubt it. Yeah. <laughs> Vexter, maybe, maybe not. 
No, Dexter definitely doesn't hold up that well. <laughs> Dexter is purely, uh, you know, it is largely a nostalgia rank for me, which is why it will keep slipping down and down the list. It's just an anchoring experience of a platformer with, you know, essentially um, like a Robotech style fighter <laughs> at, at your disposal, like a robot that transforms into a plane or can have its legs and arms hanging out. Like, uh, yeah, you, you had me right there as a kid, but um no, I think Excite Bike is more deserving of having an enduring spot here on my list, and hence 43. Nice. And I, I almost wonder if it's uh, because I've never been particularly skilled at Excite Bike. Um, and there's a difference between not being skilled at, say, Mario Brothers and not being skilled at Excite Bike. If you're not skilled in Mario Brothers, you're going to fall off a cliff and die. You're going to bump to a Goomba and die. If you're not skilled at Excite Bike, you're just going to hit the ramp at the wrong angle and go slow and crash and kind and of crash just and, yeah. meander your way through the level i almost wonder if that's it it's almost like if there was like a, a distinct fail state of like oh you fucked that jump up start over instead of well now just muddle through and you feel that you're not doing well but you can still sort of progress at least geographically if if, if you will you can you get know? a sense of more of the course up to a point yeah um so i wonder if that's what what has held me back because i assume that eventually you get to a point where you are sort of flowing across oh, yeah. the ramp i like... i have distinct memories yeah. of at least with like the first four levels of the game um of getting getting into that flow state with yeah. like the acceleration going jumps at the right speed and being able to land stuff and like being able to screw up the enemy you know opponent biker instead of him just constantly screwing you up right yeah um, I definitely have, I have memories of, of those experiences. So I think that that might have a lot to do with why it ranks for me in a way that for you, it's like not even on the map is mm -hmm. like, no, I remember having flow state experiences with a game for sure as uh, one of the early console games that, that I had those experiences with. Yeah. Then I guess my, my last, well, pair of questions here on the level editor, like, did it allow you to make a truly busted, like uh, masochistic or sadistic, depending on if you're making your ah, for yourself or others. Um, uh, yeah, right. Or sadomasochistic if you're, you know, if that's how you roll. Um, yeah, right. All, all of the above. <laughs> um, I don't think I, it probably does. Definitely does because you can insert the nastiest, like those tiny jumps that fuck you up, and where it's like almost impossible to come off the one jump and then land the next one with any kind of speed without just landing on the middle of it and crashing. Um, but that was definitely not something that I remember like uh, my, my friends and I doing when we were playing with the level editor, it was more like, Oh, like making cool big jumps and trying to like make stuff that the kind of a nice pace to it. And that was like broken compared to the regular levels, but not broken in the way of, uh, you know, trying to break you. Gotcha. Um, and then the last question, could you save, and I'm like, was there even saving? Yeah. Cause you could say yeah, there was, you could save, you could save on uh, the cart. Right. There was okay. like limited limited ROM on on carts to be able to to save, and you could definitely save uh, levels. The thing is, I'm not sure if you could save progress on the pre-builds, or if you always had to start back at the beginning. They were short the, like, enough, right? In the main like, mode, but you could definitely save your custom custom levels in yeah. side bike. Okay, I remember that being a thing. Cool, man. There you go. There we go. Well, speaking of bikes, uh. uh Sam, I think his name was Sam, in Death Stranding rides a trike. Okay. To the wastelands. That's right. It is Death Stranding, my new number 46.
Nice. Um, I'm getting to the point now where it's like top 50 has got to be, I'm like, okay, I, I, I only have a few slots left top 50, you know, it's, it's important. Um, yeah. and it's just gotta be death stranding sort of narrowly beating out metal gear solid five in a, in a weird way or metal gear V, uh, as it, as you may know it. Um, but what gives Death Stranding the edge is there have been previous Metal Gear games, but there has never been a Death Stranding game or really any game like it, at least on this scale. And I mean, let's be realistic. There probably never will be another one uh, exactly like it. Not exactly. I mean, no, it, it did pretty well. So, I mean, you, one can hope for a sequel. Um, I mean, but... I don't know. I know it did pretty well, but I just feel like is there going to be a Death Stranding 2? That just seems like... Mm-hmm. And if there is, isn't it likely to just be something that is somehow titanically different from the first one? I don't know. If you're going to do a Death Stranding 2, it still has to be about delivering packages in a, in a post-apocalypse, I, I would think. Um, Probably. But enough of my questions. Tell us uh, more about the game. I mean, it's I, I've spoken about it uh before um so I, I don't have really too much to add but i guess what i'll what i'll say once again is that the satisfaction in real life where you are walking through a hike or along a a path and you are subconsciously picking out each step and then you're also looking into the distance and being like am i going to go to the right of that rock or to the left and why and all of that uh you get that same satisfaction out of death stranding uh when you are making your way and you start off uh with the president of the united states's corpse who is also your mom on your back uh delivering to this uh uh, incinerator so that she doesn't uh turn into a nuclear explosion when she dies or truly dies it's all a little awkward but yeah um and eventually you have a powered exoskeleton and you are careening your way over mountaintops and you have uh, like these little floating platforms behind you with all of your packages, which you can then snowboard uh, back down uh, uh, the same mountain at the end. Um, That's epic. I mean, there has not been a game quite like it, I guess, as, as I said, in at least in the AAA space, I'm sure there've been games where you wander around, but like, to have it be this vast and to just have it be, yo, know, it's not always the most exciting. You are just, you have six boxes on your back and you are just walking to the next place. But for me and for gamers like me, like it was super fun. Walking to the next place, trying very hard not to let them get wet. <laughs> right. Or float. Or float away I mean, downstream. Let alone fall into a river and float away downstream. Yeah. I mean, I hurt my hand playing this game. Um, that, yeah. You know, I remember that, that alone. That is, is enough a kind for of a good marker 50. right there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Most uh, excellent. So I don't know, man. It's it's sort of well, well-worn territory. Well, I, I guess now that I mentioned that, like uh, the multiplayer aspect of it, where there are uh, ad hoc group sourced desire paths that occur um you know six players went on this one route through these rocks so then now when you load into this area those rocks are going to be eroded just a little bit 
Yeah. And then so and then more people and more people. And eventually it's a fucking dirt path. And then you can put a road there and like uh that is yeah. epic, and it is something that it's not like no other game has done anything like it, but no other game's done it that way, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that is uh, my new number 46 with Death Stranding, uh, which will bring us into our next feature of the show called What I Love About. And Moses, I understand you love something this week. I do. I've got so much love for this game, and I'm gonna keep talking about it. Uh, but I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about it in little little bits here here and there. Um, and uh, and and this week, so one of the many things that I love about Kana Bridge of Spirits um, that I can talk about, and it is not a spoiler, is I absolutely adore the music of this game. And the music is unique. Um, and I'm gonna start out giving you just a. Uh, just a touch of, of uh, one of the tracks from it. I don't want to give too much here. Uh, and then I'm going to talk to you about it a little bit. So we're going to start with the uh, track Befriending Spirits from Kana Bridge of Spirits. As you can hear, it's not exactly a visual medium that we're in. Kana has a really unique palette that it's working with instrumentally, um, and this is this is not an accident. Uh, it's in many many ways this is a very very special game. Uh, but one of those ways is definitely the musical choices, and uh, I had to do a little bit of research into this specifically because when I finished the game, um, and I was watching the the credits roll. I saw something a little bit unusual, uh, which is that uh, there was a thank you to, uh, so, so the composer for, for Kana, the, the uh, writer for it, um, is a fellow by the name of uh, Jason Gallaty. Hopefully I'm pronouncing his name correctly. Um, but I saw this call out in the credits and it was a thank you to a gamelan. Uh, it was specifically the Balinese Gamelan group, Gamelan Kudamani. And again, hopefully I'm pronouncing that correctly. Balinese Gamelan is a really unique form of music. For those of you who don't know anything about it, um, Gamelan is not like uh, other bands or orchestras. The way that Gamelan works is profoundly interdependent between the different musicians. So you have different musicians playing essentially the same instrument uh, and they need to uh, to, uh, to create their tones kind of in sequence to uh, create a single part between them. Um, so this is like, it's pretty unprecedented. It's also um, extremely spiritual music, which is obviously a good fit with the game. Um, but the, the story is kind of interesting here because um, Gallaty, when he, when he originally reached out, according to the Wikipedia post, he originally reached out to a different uh, Balinese ensemble and they referred him to Kudamani. But then... Um, this post over on Gamerant actually uh, notes that uh, Kena's uh, voice actor, Dua Ayu Dui Larasanti. So uh, Ayu is the daughter of the, um, of the head of this Gamelan organization that they wound up enlisting. So her parents founded the Gamelan Kudamani organization 
And um, yeah, yeah. So she voices the game uh, and there is also some uh, some vocal lines in the game as well, uh, but not in it, like just kind of incorporated into the music. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and so it, it was done with the most profound kind of non-appropriative cultural respect. And the only reason that the, the Gamelan group agreed to collaborate on it is because of the, the, the themes of the game um, in terms of, uh, of spirit and, and release and all of that. Uh, so to roll it out here, I just want to share uh, a bit of one other track. Uh, this is a one hour mix I found on YouTube um, of, uh, of the, the village. So there's a village in the game, spoiler. Um, and uh, this is the, um, the village soundtrack that you hear kind of throughout the game. Whenever, whenever you're back in the village and it's just so beautiful and it's so relaxing. And so it's kind of funny when you were talking about uh, Elden Ring in our previous episode and how like you had to like get past the music. And I was thinking the entire time in the background, I'm thinking about Kana and how like just having this looping while I'm like exploring the environment and trying to figure out what I'm going to be doing next is like such an enriching part of the game, such a beautiful part of the game, something I would never have wanted this game to kind of not have as, as a central feature. So that is one of the many things that I love about Kana for this event. Yeah, man, I feel like I could I could listen to that uh, for quite some time, maybe, well, maybe an hour um, or 10 hours. <laughs> or, uh, and that first track too, like it was so rich and, and layered and like the six different sort of percussive sort of sounds coming at you at once. That's the gamelan. Gamelan is very rich in different percussive uh, yeah. instruments, including a lot of tonal percussion. Um, like, you know, it'll have multiple players playing essentially like little gongs, for instance. Yeah. Um, or kind of woodblock sounds. So yeah, very unique form of music. Yeah, and uh, you know, the doorbell there being uh, a diegetic sound. <laughs> uh, and I was, you actually jogged my my memory here with this. Uh, I, I don't know, uh, slight, it's not, I don't know. <laughs> I'm, really, I'm really struggling with this, so I'm just gonna do it. Because uh, I, I think, I think I'm I'm curious to sort of embrace a more collaborative experience with Elden Ring with you. And oh, if yeah. that means that occasionally something gets quote spoiled, uh uh I'm okay with that. And we'll both use our judgment. Like I mean, frankly, I'm mostly less concerned about it. Um, and I feel like I can trust you where if there is something that is like a really big plot, so to speak, spoiler. Mm -hmm. that you're like no you should discover this for yourself that you won't like uh you know you won't out that kind of a spoiler but otherwise it's such a different game and yeah. it there are things that each of us have already uncovered that the other hasn't touched yet right um in spite I, of the fact that you're deeper into the game i have found some things that you haven't found yet so like yeah and i, I have spoken to a giant animated pot i i forgot to check if his name was alexander uh or not uh did you um he was at was the he... end of a dungeon. Nope, nope. That's not okay. the one who I found. All right. Well, the search for Alexander continues. But in the meantime, so I, the game isn't perfect. There, there are some flaws. I feel like the music on offer is good and it fits, but the music editing per se uh, is lacking. It's lacking. Interesting. It just loops and loops and loops. And I, 
I, it's just antithetical to and Dark like Souls. it'll shift into combat music uh, yeah. pretty smoothly but and i mean that is a point and i assume this is obviously in relation to kana um the way that the music in kana shifts with the environment as you're moving through it is mm-hmm. it's exactly what you want out of good game music where it's like it'll get quieter in a spot where you're like um you know you like you go around a corner and you're moving into a different part of the map yeah and it'll kind of shift ne- really naturally and and in a really clean kind of way to be like oh yeah okay i'm over here now oh this is different you know yeah. and i mean the boss fight music is very good nice yeah and if if dark souls always had music i probably wouldn't bat an eye but since i cannot help but compare this to dark souls at at every turn uh so uh point being i I normally play with the music off. I will turn it on for boss fights. Uh, and that suits me just fine. I, I feel like I get more of the ambient sound and it's very satisfying. Well, I was exploring uh, this new place, which was a very sinister, creepy place. And I'm in total silence, except for the the environment and stuff. And all of a sudden I hear the strains of like this flute playing this creepy sound. And like... I know for a fact that that is something in the world playing this music. And it was so cool. Like just to have the silence interrupted by this, I'm like, Oh God, there's someone here playing this creepy sound and they probably do not have good intentions. (laughs) And like, if I was playing with just the regular music on all the time, I imagine that the ambient music would fade out and then they would showcase sort of this diegetic uh, song Right. Uh, but it was even more impactful for me because I could recognize it right away as like part of the environment instead of just a different part of the yeah. soundtrack. Yeah. So that was super satisfying. Um, and we're actually going to stay on the subject of uh, music here with what I love about uh, and what I love about Animal Crossing is the music. All right. Um, awesome. It is such an integral part of the game. Uh, for those who don't know it, uh, you know, operates on a real world clock and each hour has its own distinctive music. Nice. Uh, and they all, it feels like the, you know, the 2 a.m. music feels like 2 a.m. Like it's like, what the fuck am I doing? It's this weird manic kind of kind of thing. Why am I still <laughs> up? You know, um, because I'm playing Elden Ring. Oh, wait, no, yeah. I'm playing Animal Crossing. Um, so I would love to share uh, some Animal Crossing music with you and I thought uh, what might be kind of fun is I'm going to play a selection and then uh, I would uh, love it if you would uh, guess which of the 24 hours uh, that this tune represents. Sounds Uh, good. I think I should close my eyes unless you have queued this up in a way where I don't have to. No, I was going to say either turn off my video or or, uh, shut your eyes on the old honor system. No, I got to have to because you're going to share screen, uh, not to get too technical for those who have never used Zoom. (laughs) But for us to get maximum audio quality, you'll need to do that that little dance. So I better have my eyes closed. So you may begin at any time. All right. All right. Starting things off. Oh. Throwing things off with the best Animal Crossing song ever. It, and this is from a time of day, eh? Yeah, this is from the GameCube version, the original. So this is one of the 24 hours. I feel like this has a morning vibe to it, like an 8 a.m. or a 9 a.m. kind of a vibe. It's legit. I'm totally off, aren't I? You are. Uh, this is, I think, my favorite. 
it's just so creamy and buttery. This is uh, this is 5 p.m. Okay, that actually works too. And it's funny. The reason why I feel like it works is it it, it felt commutish to me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so you know, but it is. You know, now that you say that it's five p.m., I'm like, oh yeah, no, it's it's more like your afternoon commute, yeah. not your morning commute. It's right. got more relief to it than uh, the anxiety of the morning, and which could be your kind of in your coffee as you're like driving in and it's like mellow or whatever. But no, yeah. I dig it. I dig it. Yes. Yes. Indeed. Uh, coming up next. Obviously, this has an 8 a.m. or 9 a.m. No, just kidding. <laughs> Oddly enough. This feels kind of late morning to me, like a like a maybe a maybe a maybe a 10, 10 o'clock. I, I, I feel that I, I do feel that this is. In but fact- it's not. Is in fact 4 p.m. <laughs> I mean, this is an extremely difficult <laughs> task that I've given you. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, but, no, I'm, it's delightful, uh, though. Yeah, it certainly is. Okay. Um, I wonder if part of it is that, like, in the world of Animal Crossing, you're just constantly in a world of work because you're, you know, enslaved to a raccoon. Um, whereas in my, my means of trying to make sense about these things is uh, more in terms of sirens going by outside my window, but uh, is more in terms of like, oh, my work day and the structure of life, like, oh, and a nine to five job. But I don't know. Yeah, I, I definitely feel that. Um, oh, shit. This might be my second favorite. pierces your brain okay so did i manage to unmute there yeah oh that's good um it's hard hard to know for sure with your eyes closed <laughs> um but i wanted to like get the sirens in the background out uh, out of our recording uh before you uh were queuing up this next track this 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 has like an after dinner vibe for me so i'm gonna call this one um eight o'clock at night okay um, to me, this has more of a sort of industrious uh, late morning feel. This is 9 a.m. <laughs> There's my 9 a.m. Yep. I know it was around here somewhere. Yep. I don't know. I for some that. reason, I feel like it's got evening tones, but I dig yeah. it. I can see it. Just that it's like an insect or something, but a nice insect in your... Very nice insect. In Absolutely. Yeah. Not the uh, kind that's going to bite you and suck all your blood out and leave you as a dried, empty husk. Right. Um, and then you go, you know back to the last spot of grace that you found coming up next see this also has an industrious vibe mm-hmm. but a different kind of industrious That's vibe kind of a mania to it are, are you giving me a hint here <laughs> you, you did indicate something about the 2am having a mania to it <laughs> So it's funny because I was going to say 2 p.m., but now I want to say 2 a.m. because you dropped that M word. Got it. Got it right on the money. All right. 2 a.m. You know, you're right. It really does have a like, I'm making an odd snack that I would make or not 2 a.m. Or I just decided to like 
sort something in my closet that I have been thinking about for two and a half years, but why in the world did I decide to do it at 2 a.m.? You know, right. that's what you do at 2 a.m. Oh, boy. This might actually be my second favorite. It's that lovely arpeggio. That uh, is lovely. Um, I don't know, maybe 9 p.m. This is 2 p.m. Uh, this is 2 p.m. <laughs> okay, I could see it. I could yeah. see it. Because it's like it, the similar thing with my 9 p.m. thought there is that um, it's like you've had a meal not too far in the past. And so it's mm -hmm. kind of up and moving around yep. a bit, but it's also got a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a drag to it of a like a contented kind of drag. Yeah. Your, your mid digestion. Exactly. Speaking of diegetic. Uh, and then my final selection here for you, Moses. Somebody just meow. Somebody did just meow. I mean, this has got like cats and what's kind of like an accordion going on. It's definitely my jam. There's no doubt about that. Um, I'm going to go with... Have I already thrown 10 a.m. out there? I'm gonna go yes. back to the morning. I did. I already tried 10 a.m. Yeah. We already heard 10 a.m. Yep. Oh, well, drat. Then it's 9 a.m. And I know we've already already had the. Uh... Oh, man. Oh, 11 a.m. It is. <laughs> this is <laughs> sure it is. I was going to say, I'm quite sure it isn't, but that's cool. I did lie to you. We didn't have 10 a.m., but I thought I would give you You another... just poke me and see whether or not I could arrive at the, yeah. at the correct time. Uh, yeah. Nice. But, uh, yeah, it always gives me gives me joy. I, it always gives me joy when somebody puts a meow into a track. <laughs> right. Now you're playing meowsic. It's my style. Yep. So, yeah, that's uh, what I love about Animal Crossing, among many, many things. Absolutely. The music. Uh, moving ahead into our next feature of the show, it's called Tell Me About. And Moses, this week I was wondering if you could tell me about. Uh, and this is such an elemental video game question that maybe we've already posed it. But if not, uh, tell me about uh, a game that you just need a sequel to. Ooh. Yeah, I don't know if we've done this as a tell me about. That's that's a, a really good question. And I, I can't help but immediately start looking to to my rank list. Ace Marine is supposed to get a sequel this year. And that is oh, a game shit. that I'm really unsure what to do with ranking because I love that game so much when I played it. Yeah, it felt so freaking good. 
Um, but I have no idea how well that one's going to hold up for me. So that, that, that's sitting there, you know, super Mario brothers could really use it. Oh, wait a second here. <laughs> um, interesting, interesting, tricky, tricky question. Uh, a game that I think I could just really use a sequel. I, I think I'm just going to come out and say it. And it's painful because it's a game that theoretically are should have had a sequel a long long time ago um you know obviously i'd love i'd love to see if kano winds up getting a sequel and i think it very well could but kind of very closely related to that um beyond good and evil oh yeah i like i want that game to have a sequel so fucking badly and what i've seen from the sequel that has been like in development for an eon at this point um it isn't even the sequel that I want for the game. And it's not that I'm not open to that game having a sequel that is a departure from Jade as the main character. It's not that I'm not open to a sequel that is substantially different. I don't want an open world sequel to Beyond Good and Evil. Like, far more so than Dark Souls. Like, I'm, I'm okay with the way that Elden Ring is working out as open world. It's actually working out pretty well. Um, but Beyond Good and Evil was such a good storytelling game in a classic big narrative storytelling game. And I would love another game set in that universe that told maybe even like a prequel would could, could be really interesting. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, it was such a lush, interesting, diverse world that was created with such a, a clear narrative um, that played so nicely. And it did such a good job of helping you build that narrative from a character who at a time when you didn't have um kind of unconventional uh heroes as much um at, at least starts the game as a very unconventional hero so um honestly that wasn't that hard i i think i would really love a, a sequel to beyond good and evil and and specifically one that's not shaped the way anything that i saw like the pre-production like little c- cinematic i was like oh my god this this looks so good i'm so excited and then when they started showing the space monkeys in the open world in this ship i was like i mean this looks kind of cool but it's not what i want out of it yeah. So would, would you call the prequel just good and evil? <laughs> Perhaps you would. Perhaps you would. And it's interesting because like beyond good and evil. Good and evil. Yeah. <laughs> it's I wouldn't classify it as an open world game, but I'm struggling to say exactly why, because you could sort of go anywhere once you got like the spaceship or whatever it was. The, uh, like hovercraft. Yeah. Yeah. It had a lot of mobility that it gave you, but it also had a pretty clear, like, you can go do a bunch of side stuff, mm-hmm. but there's a pretty clear, like, um, mission, quest, whatever you want to call it line. There's a clear narrative line that it's leading you down that's telling you, hey, here's where you need to go next. Here's this new event that happens that shakes things up. Here's, you know, children getting abducted, um, you know, et cetera. Yeah. And so I, I don't think it is open world in the the sense. I mean, I feel like, the interesting thing about that is when that game came out, you had GTA, right? So you had, you had true open world games that existed. Um, I'm pretty sure about that assertion. So it felt open in comparison to maybe other games at the time, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but it still has a lot of narr- clear narrative structure to it. Yeah. Um, that was one of, the, one of the things that certainly puts it on my rank list where it lives. So, yeah. Well, Paul, I... I have another question for you that I was going to ask you this week. Um, 
but I'm still going to hold that one in reserves because uh, this thing came up on Reddit and this is almost like the question that I asked you last week, but it's totally different. Um, there was a Reddit post about what is the most annoying enemy in a game. Hmm. And I am pretty sure I have not asked you this on the pod yet. We've oh, yeah. had some similar questions that have come up, but yeah. What's the most annoying foe that uh, for, for you in any game? My initial thought is something that, that knocks you off a ledge in like a 2d oh sure that's pretty game. bad um something that's like hard you know that flits around quickly hard to shoot down how hard to hard to hit it, and i feel like it has to be in the 2d space like there are annoying enemies in say dark souls but you can still lock onto them and do your best Right. Even if it's in the red thread, the vast majority of answers to this question were souls born enemies, which totally (laughs) makes sense. And there are but they're sort of they're annoying because they they swing their sword one more time and you weren't expecting it and you die, you know, uh, sort of you sort of understand the path that they're on. But if something just comes along and just knocks you into a pool of lava Mm -hmm. like that is super annoying and i'm okay <laughs> okay my my eyes uh flitted up to binding of isaac uh ah. speaking of, of flitting things there are these enemies who uh, it's like a little uh sort of skull with just teeth and no jaw that sort of <laughs> sits flush on the floor okay and then, uh if you're anywhere near it or looking about it or thinking about it or breathing next to it it stays and it's retracted state where it is invulnerable to uh, you can shoot as many tears as you want Mm -hmm. at it uh, uh, and it will not take damage and then you walk away a little bit and it flips open and now it's like a little turret oh yeah oh i remember those now actually and annoying enough like but the game will put them in these little nooks (laughs) where you have to square up right with it Mm -hmm. and get shot at or shot uh, to do any damage and it, the thing won't fucking open when you want it to and then it it does open when you don't want it to and it is it is so frustrating um that's a really good answer so it's i'm sure they have a, a name there is an entire bestiary in uh in the new version of the game i'm, I'm sure i'm sure they have a name out there um but uh it's you know I'm sure there would be other contenders if I continue to to think on this, but that's a good one. That's a good one. I will tell you out of Reddit, there are a couple of themes that emerged. The uh, Silver Knight archers in Dark Souls uh, were were a pretty common theme. And I have to say they might be my personal most annoying enemy um, because the experience of getting knocked off of that damn thing is just, it's pretty rough. Uh, Dark Souls or any Soulsborn dogs were high yeah. on the list of things yeah. that people tagged as most annoying enemy. And I think that, that one for for that environment, because I, I agree with you about like the condition that you were setting of not so much a 3D world game. But the thing about the dogs is they're so damn unpredictable. Like they're kind of predictable, but they will do weird pathing. And, you know, there's usually yep. multiples of them and they will do some weird freaking pathing where they it makes them sometimes hard to hit. And then they'll like come around and practically form themselves into a U in order to bite you. And then this one, I know you're going to appreciate this. The original Hammer Brothers were another thing that was popular on that list. 
they're 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 very dangerous. They they nerfed them so significantly in later Mario Brothers compared to like the original ones. They were so so dangerous. Yeah. And I'm I guess I don't know, maybe this is just a quibble, but when I think about them, I don't think about an annoying, I think just about like terrifying or or Certainly, the first time you encounter them, I conclusion agree. Conclusion that, that if I am little Mario, I am not. I'm going to die, right? Like to me, annoying is more like fuck. Like that shouldn't have happened. But when I see a hammer, bro, I'm like, he's gonna fuck my shit up. Yeah, you've got a good point, and maybe I will give my own thoughts towards whether or not the silver the silver knight archers truly, for the reason you just said, there's a a predictability of oh fuck, right? To them, that is uh, that is different. So I, and eventually, I that... you sort of. You you look forward to that part sure. of, of the game in, in a way, you know, whereas I never look forward to fighting the fucking skull guys, you know. Yeah, um, absolutely. But yeah, uh, I like it. I like it. Uh, all right. Well, that was tell me about uh, and coming up next on the show, a very special guest. It is uh, well, uh, it is our guest segment. For this week, we have uh, a very special guest, uh, none other than my father, Michael Berberich. Uh, please welcome to the show, Michael. Hello, Michael. Hi. How are you guys? Good. Yeah, doing well. It's good to see you. I don't good think to I've see you too. in thirty-eight years. I don't think I've ever called you Michael. So that's <laughs> already un- uncharted no. territory here. <laughs> Most people don't, but. It's, well, I'm, and I'm I've never fine. called you Mike either, for that matter. It's uh, that's true. You know, it's a uh, decorum being being. You can call me is. Mike. You can call me Michael. Yeah. <laughs> I'll stick with Dad. I think Moses. Yeah, you're, you're I, I think I'll stick with Mike because uh, I've certainly never called you Michael. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was always a, a a tricky. You know, when I had to fill out anything as a kid, putting that A before the E. It's okay. You don't hear the A. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> A little trouble there. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, happy, happy to have you uh, with us here as we continue uh, Parents Week. Um, and uh, as is our tradition, uh, we'll start with our questions here. And uh, Dad, I would love it if you could tell me, if you could tell me the, the first video game you remember playing when i was a mover it was like 1979 or 80 we had uh, a pong console pong game that we were moving and uh, we plugged the thing in and and tried it and of course there was nothing much to it but uh that that seems like an early memory of, of that pong game about so 1979 or 80. So this must have been like like an arcade cabinet. No, actually, it was it was someone owned it, <laughs> and we were ah. moving for them. Yeah, like it was in someone's garage. But this was like a big stand-up like arcade yeah. unit. Yeah. Oh man. Okay. And that, then that you... type of game, I I, I recall Pong. <laughs> yeah. And you plugged it in at the new residence. At at the uh, the old residence, uh, right. they were the people we called them shippers. 
Okay. They were gone, so we just plugged it in and tried it. It worked. <laughs> it pretty, it I love it. pretty boring. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, and know. did it have? Uh, it had like a, a a knob, like a twistable thing. Yeah, you had one on either side. Yeah. So you were going back and forth and uh, battling with, <laughs> with yeah. the little little bit of a ball. Um, the next time you you and mom visit, we should check out uh, mm. IO Arcade. They have a Pong cabinet, but it's like physical, real Pong. So you have these actual oh. sticks that you move up and down and there's, you know, an actual cube. It looks like a sugar cube that bounces back and forth. And you have this, this big knob and it's really great because you can like twist it just a little bit for really fine tune movements, mm -hmm. or you can spin it if you really need to get oh, to okay. either side. The white ball, is it mm -hmm. a white ball? Yeah, I've I, I played those before. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, my next question for you, Dad, mm -hmm. uh, what's mm -hmm. the first game you remember beating? It was probably uh, Mario, the Mario Brothers in the basement with the, the duck game. Yeah, where you shot at the ducks. That was one of the first ones I remember beating down in the basement there. So it was right. it was duck hunt. Yeah, duck hunt. Nice. Uh, I'm trying to think back to like, like was there a credits sequence? I there must have been at some point, right? I, like, I think, I think so. You went through the various stages of the game, and uh, yeah. I always yeah. liked how like, and this is hazy memories for me, but the background color would change as the sun was setting maybe. So eventually you get to like a pink sky okay. at the at one of the later levels maybe. Yeah, um, rings a bell. And I loved the, the skeet mm -hmm. shooting mm -hmm. as well. Is that really what it's called? <laughs> shooting sure skeet? Yeah. Okay, okay. I guess that was before any any songs probably. Uh, so it just feels weird to say, especially on a podcast with my with my father about about that. But uh, but here we are in in twenty twenty two talking about Duck Hunt. And uh, my <laughs> final question for you, Dad: uh, What is your favorite game? It seems like I really enjoyed Asteroids mm -hmm. when I would go to the arcades. Oh yeah, of uh, Asteroids was. One of my favorites that I recall. I used, to, I used to spend a lot of money on the machine that they had there. It was Aladdin's Castle, yeah, is what it was called, and uh, that 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 was a fun game. Asteroids. So that was the Aladdin's Castle in the Janesville Mall. Yeah, it was Boyd actually, the old Shopcode Mall there. Right. I used to take Luke there. Maybe I took you there too. Yeah. I'm not sure. I used to take Luke there. And I went yeah. by myself a lot. I played a lot of games until I, they got too hard for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh. Asteroids was, was fun. I always liked getting the ship up to like maximum thrust. Yes. And it's just, you know, you're zipping across the screen, you know, yeah. from one side to the other and like spinning in place and like, uh, yeah, Asteroids. Well, Asteroids was good. And there was uh, Ash, uh, Galaga was another one 
fabric mm-hmm. follicle. Oh yeah. So those two kind of stood out, I guess, from back then. <laughs> um, so. How about uh, Pac-Man? You ever do any of that? Yeah, I did, but I didn't get real, real excited about Pac-Man at the time. Mm-hmm. I think I like the other the other games a little bit better, but I, I did play Pac-Man some. And and I, I remember mean, the t- tabletop version too that you could sit around. Yeah, the the cocktail, uh, cocktail yeah. version. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> and really, I mean, Miss Pac-Man outclassed, you know, outclassed yeah. everything. Moves yeah. faster. It's got lipstick and a beauty mark, like little pink bow. Little pink bow. Yeah. Um, That's good too. Yeah. Well, great. Uh, all right, over to you, Moses. Yeah, Mike. So we were talking about uh, old mm. arcades. Did you did you do much pinball? That's what I started out on was pinball. I yeah. was hoping you'd say that. So did you have yeah. a favorite pinball cabinet? You know, I can't recall the, the cabinets because I, I just I go back to the the mechanical pinball machines. Yeah. Uh, no, that's what I mean, though. The mechanical. I mean, like, you know, they have yeah. their different themes. Was there one well, of them that was like your fave? Not really. I don't okay. recall because it was quite a long time ago, but uh, I, I always loved the, in fact, I, I played some machines that were uh, five cent machines. Okay. And then on to the 10 cent. Wow. <laughs> but uh, played a lot of pinball. All right. Love the game. So, you know, I can't recall any particular one that stood out, but I just overall just overall uh, great a great game I, yeah, yeah it's funny uh, you know by the time that uh that i was old enough to be hitting arcades pinball machines required so much more maintenance than many yeah. of the other cabinets that they always cost more than a lot of the other games and so it was very prohibitive yeah. <laughs> like it's like you wanted to play pinball but when you're like eight years old you know you're just gonna lose real fast mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah well, that's true you just let's run keep shoveling coins into it and play for a short time there you go that was the strategy for sure all right some <laughs> pinball me, uh, memories jump in here real quick do you do you remember a, a pinball called the black knight uh i think so. was it a batman type of no theme it was like a more medieval but he would talk hmm. about how he was the black knight and there was this great music uh, oh yeah i know I it's think, like I a classic so. i think so yeah. yeah yeah definitely nice yeah i think so all right well my, my next question for you one thing that you and i first connected on when we first met uh was music and the question i have for you is what band or even if there's a specific album do you think would be a really interesting soundtrack for a video game i would think like some early black black sabbath might be a game like the very first black sabbath yeah, um, absolutely. Was that self-titled or was that? Um, it was self-titled, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, that's great. That's in, that would be that would be pretty interesting. That, it would be heavy, right? And yeah, dark and heavy and fun. I'm sure. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to remember what uh, the tracks were, what some of the tracks were on that, and I'm going to just use Wikipedia to help me out here, because um, I know it's going to have a track listing here somewhere. Oh yeah, it had the wizard on it, of course. Yeah. Oh yeah, evil woman. Oh yeah, this could de- that would work real well. I like it. Great pick. Great pick. Oh, thank you. All right, and my last question before we uh, we roll into whatever topic you want to talk about, um, you know, 
when we had Julie on, I told her she was the only person I was going to ever get to ask this question. But, you know, that's because I didn't anticipate that Paul was going to invite you on as our next guest. Um, mm. And the same thing I said to her, I will say to you, which is a totally unfair question that I'm going to ask you. But of your four boys, which of them, when they were kids, was the most into video games? Overall, I would say Paul. Okay. Yeah, really easy, uh, Paul. Okay. <laughs> there you go, Paul. He was. Because in... I know all four of them at, at times in their, in their childhood, especially, um, right. certainly different, were big on games. Different periods. Mm. Like the WoW period. And yep. Sure. Ones. So, yeah. Okay, okay. Well, there you go. All do right. You, do you remember when we, when we pirated um, Wolfenstein? Wolfenstein 3D and uh, Mark Mark was was uh, upset because you had to kill German shepherds in the game who were who were aggressing you who were attacking you and really? then it came to light that that Luke had pirated Wolfenstein and that was a uh, yeah we had to ah. <laughs> we had to get rid of it I don't, mom might have taken point on on that one I'm, I'm as I recall, maybe I but. vaguely remember that. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's some. Yeah. Um, great. Well, uh, those are the questions that we had. So uh, we'll turn it over to you, Dad. Uh, what uh, What would you like to discuss with us uh, on this episode? Well, uh, how much time do you think goes into a, a podcast for you guys? Because you have it's a week between. The podcast right typically and, uh, yeah usually so you you must put a fair amount of time into it i would think overall because they're, they're very well done thanks and i'm just wondering quite a bit of time um, i mean not maybe not as much as you would you would think um maybe you know 20 minutes to an hour of of prep you know, at, at the most, uh, in terms of writing out some notes and, and thoughts. Um, and then when I do the editing, really, it only takes a half hour to 40 minutes hmm. um, to, to put it all together. So uh, we've usually got the consistent structure, which I mean, you, you took the lead on, but we'll, which we've worked out together over time. I, I imagine that makes it pretty easy when it comes to editing, because you're kind of like, hey, this is going to come and then that part. Yeah. So it's uh, you know a labor of love, but but the labor is is uh, you know lesser. It's a lesser whatever like Hercules and his nine labors. Mm -hmm. This was like setting the table or something. Okay. <laughs> um, do you think you'll ever be able to create a video game, you guys, mm. together? Good question. Yeah, I mean Moses is is further along uh, in that uh, dream. I mean, I've had some experience with, with with doing game dev specifically in in the educational side, and you know, with our friend Nick, uh, we uh, you know, I uh, I spent a little bit of time working on a, on a game design project uh, with him that, that that got a little bit along the ways. Uh, Paul, it's not inconceivable at some point that we could get into doing some some game collab with a friend 
I do not do not think it's outside of their own possibility at all. No. Well, I, go ahead. Well, I, when I listen to you and make my my game, I, you you really come up with some very interesting games just on the spot, you know. And so I think you could do something like that between you guys. A lot of talent. Yeah, I think I think we have a knack for the ideas like uh unfortunately for me like the conceptualization is is by far the easiest part especially with some of our sort of pie in the sky you know <laughs> completely open ended uh types of concepts um you know the execution is 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 really where it's at but i do have a pipe dream if this podcast ever truly catches on that eventually there will be a, a Paul and Moses play game jam. Paul and Moses jam? I, yeah, Paul and Moses jam. Um, where the constraint will be that you have to choose from one of our make my games. A make my game jam, if you will. And, uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, okay. And then we leave it to the, to the, to the pros to actually do the, to do the hard work. <laughs> And well, that, that sounds good. That actually, um, do either of you know where I got the, the the inspiration to call it "Make My Game"? Wow, I never even thought about it. Do you know um, Marky Mark? I, I kind of recall Marky Mark, yeah, formerly of the Funky Bunch. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, among other associations, Mark Wahlberg. There was oh right right okay. There was a game on the Sega CD called make my video where you could like splice together a bunch of clips of marky mark and his funky bunch uh i don't know singing uh and you could make your own music video huh. and then i guess he would give you praise uh for for doing so and in a very oblique way i was referencing that when i when i came up with make my game okay well, and here we are, and New Kids on the Block just released a new single, and he was once a member of the said band. So, uh, uh, you know, once again, uh, time is just repeating, I guess. Those are two mm. things I didn't know. <laughs> Marky Mark was in New Kids on the Block? Oh, yeah. Very briefly. Okay. Mm. Huh. Yeah, he is not part of this reunion that they're doing. Okay. Wow. A lot of revelations tonight. I know. <laughs> so yeah, and uh, so you're you're sort of curious about the sort of the nuts and bolts of of the the podcast production world. It sounds like right. We've been listening to various podcasts, and uh, it's been it's been we've really enjoyed it. I've really enjoyed it, and that's why I think you guys are doing a very good job. Thanks. Well, I'm thanks. Impressed. Yeah, we uh, apparently. Oh, go ahead. Well, from a, a past podcast that comes to mind, you were talking about the uh, Game Boy camera yeah. and the printer. And I do remember that. I remember when you guys had that. So yeah. that, that's something you had brought a memory back about that. You guys had a lot of fun with that, too. Yeah. <laughs> We really did. I, I wish, I mean, it was at a point in our lives where like, you don't have 
income. So like if you want a new video game, you might have to sell an old video game. And we must have eventually, you know, given our, our, our precious uh, printers over to, to GameStop. Mm, um, okay. You know, I can, I can only assume, but boy, what, what would I give to be able to look back on our old, the old content that we had saved on those, on those cartridges that must've been. Yeah. Good memory. Uh, do, do you remember the, uh, uh, the Mother's Day gift that Luke made in Mario Paint for mom and he put it mm -hmm. onto a VHS? No, I don't. I she don't didn't remember. either. I guess that means it must have not been very good, but um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, it was incredible and it really, really, it's, it stuck with me. And it's funny how memories work. Like uh, me and John and Mark, uh, uh, friends of the show, we're reminiscing about like our childhood games that we had made up. Uh, uh, I just started a little thread listing them off and Mark mentioned the game called Gargoyles, which I had completely <laughs> forgotten mm. about. You know, of course I remember the ooh, ooh, ah, ah, drawdown game, Santa Claus chase game, uh, you know, <laughs> escape from Lock castle. Of course I remember all those, but Mark mentions Gargoyles and then it triggered this memory and Gargoyles was a game where <laughs> you would, pose in like a frightening gargoyle pose and then slowly tip forward and fall onto <laughs> the other person yeah. and uh, that was gargoyles yeah. and that was the game yeah out in the country yep living yep. in the country yeah do what you please <laughs> and we and we did yeah um but yeah, I think there was, you know, anytime you could get that sort of self-expression uh, in a video game, you know, like it's always fun to share your hobbies, your passions with your family, with your parents. And then for Luke to take like, who knows how many hours it took because uh, he had to make each thing one at a time and then save it and then tr somehow transport it onto a video cassette uh, and then start the next thing. And, you know, as I mentioned to mom, I remember the last scene where it was just this cowboy riding off into the sunset, uh, you know, with this nice twangy cowboy song. And uh, mm. yeah, pretty, pretty special. I wish I could recall. Yeah. Mm. Um, well, any other, uh, any other memories that uh, are, are bubbling to the surface at this point? I was, well, I could tell you, a the man that um, <clears throat> came out to, to install the satellite or our satellite dish for okay. the internet for the video games, the man came out there in, it was like 98 degrees weather and he was out there and he, he put a pole, cemented a pole in, into the ground in an antenna on top of it and thought he had it all fixed up to our computer upstairs but it wouldn't it wouldn't work for world of warcraft it was right. the twitch games so what he had to do was go out about 50 foot and put another pole down cemented into the ground with another satellite ah. and got that going and you had world of warcraft but this man was out there for in 98 degree weather yeah he's just sweating but he wasn't complaining you know, I said, yeah. well, I'm really sorry. It doesn't work 
for the boys for their, for their game. So <laughs> whatever you need to do, and that's what he did. He put a pole out 50 foot. And, uh, and I remember Mark just loving that game so yeah. very much. Just loving it. All of you guys, but especially Mark, it seemed like. So. When I first met y'all, Mark was still very, very deep in that game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Most definitely. Oh, I, mean, I see it's... his back of his head all yeah. the time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't think, I'm not sure if there'll ever be a game as addictive and as enthralling as World of Warcraft. Like, if I think about it for a minute, it brings me right back to just the compulsion and uh, wanting to explore, wanting to get more powerful. What I would enjoy doing, <laughs> I would make uh, a new character because obviously John knew who my characters were. We were friends and stuff, but I would make a brand new character and I would go to the tavern that I knew John was at and I would just like creep up next to him as this total like noob as a stranger watch him or like pretend I was a noob and ask him for advice. Um, and yeah, that was, that was always a lot of fun. <laughs> All right. Well, um, any, uh, any final, uh, uh, little, little nuggets of, uh, memories from you, dad. I just watching you guys being excited about, you know, games and, you know, you didn't worry in the house playing games all the time. You're outside a lot, but I just, you know, watching you guys grow up and, and uh, play your different games and just good, good memories of you guys with the games and everything. Just good. a lot of fun. And yeah. Uh, well, I'm, I'm glad. Uh, yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad you can look back positively as well. It's definitely, influenced us in our own uh you know sort of our own past our own our own ways but uh yes you know supportive um play positive environment had a had a lot to do with that so most well, yeah um well great that uh leads us then into the final feature of the show it's time for marky marks <laughs> make <laughs> my game Mark my game. Mark my game. And coming this week from Quiet Fork Studios, it is Unremarkable Surgery Power. <laughs> All right. Unremarkable Surgery Power. This is a challenge. It is. Well, this is, this is truly a, a challenging title to work with. Unremarkable Surgery Power. Because you're, my mind immediately goes to like, uh, what were those, those games on the, I don't know, maybe this the GameCube or or the Switch, where you or you, you were a doctor, and you. I were, mean, I'm thinking of like you say that I'm thinking of the old Operation Board game. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then there's like Surgeon Simulator, a more modern take where it's like everything is like. 3D and you're like accidentally breaking the guy's ribs when you're because just trying to like it's meant to be bad basically it's meant to you're meant to fail kind of yeah um so i mean what what is a surgery power 
I that the power that. is the part that is really confounding me here is giving me a little trouble for the jumping off place. Now, Dad, you've had you've had various surgeries. Yes. Uh, and what would you say is uh, for the person performing the surgery? What would you say? What attribute are you are you hoping that they would have? Uh, steady hand. Steady yeah. hand. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Really good, really good eyesight. <laughs> <laughs> well, one would definitely hope. Okay. Under, okay. So I'm starting to think of like sort of a Dr. Doolittle, except he has to do surgery. <laughs> and maybe he's blind. Or wait, not, not Dr. Doolittle, Mr. Magoo. <laughs> I'm like, oh, wait, there, there's a menagerie involved in this? No. <laughs> uh, Mr. Magoo, the famously blind. Uh, and very lucky. I want to say, is it Steve Martin or Le uh, Leslie? Who was the naked gun guy? Leslie Nielsen. Nielsen. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. So there's a, an element of pure dumb luck at play here. And without without treading into sort of uh, sort of sketchy like ableist uh, arenas. Uh, uh, but so the genesis of my idea is like you have to do a surgery, but you you have shaky hands and poor eyesight. <laughs> well, wait a second here. Where's the unremarkable power here? Um, right. So the power of of a good surgery would be steady hands and sharp eyes. But but simply having a deficit in that isn't necessarily unremarkable. Mm. Um, what I mean, if it's power is that you're you're somehow going to be able to do it in spite of uh... <laughs> or what if it's not that not that the cursor is jerking all over but just that it's kind of sluggish and not that okay. your eyes are unfocused but that what you're seeing isn't all the information that would be relevant to to what you're doing mm. Okay. Yeah, I'm, fo very, I'm following very, this. Very high level here, but I, I'm thinking that um, we're going to be taking a kind of um, not photorealistic, <laughs> so to speak, um, pretty cartoony uh, type of type of experience here. That's going to take the edge off of, of some of those concerns you were talking about about making it kind of ableist or like um, otherwise uh, not. Um, well-oriented to, to disability, right? Yeah. Um, and so it, instead you're setting this up here where it's, there's a puzzle dynamic to this essentially, right? It's that limited information hmm. um, and not like a, a quick uh, ability to like to, to quickly and easily maneuver um, whether you are uh, making an incision or um, applying other surgical tools. This is how little I know about surgery. I know that the cutting is involved. I know that sewing is involved and that's about it. Yeah, what, so like, let's say you have to make this delicate sort of almost like a figure eight kind of incision or something, but your only options are right angles and straight lines. So you end up carving out more than you need to. Then the next phase is like mopping up your 
your mistake. Yeah. Okay. Um, and uh, so it's going to start. I mean, this this seems like it would have a pretty typical progression. You're going to start with something fairly, fairly simple. And I mean, maybe maybe we're just focusing in in terms of this being a puzzle. It's really about cutting and sewing. <laughs> um, yeah. you know, only uh, cutting up mm. cartoon characters <laughs> and sewing them back together. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, what is the simplest surgery? Is it is it like gallbladder? removal tonsil removal not gallbladder. there's got to be something simpler than a gallbladder <laughs> tonsillectomy yeah that's pretty simple tonsillectomy uh hernia surgery okay there's another one fairly well they give you the propofol next thing you know it's all done <laughs> so simple from the patient perspective for sure right Right. But you do have the option as the doctor just to inject yourself with and just take a, you know, take a nice nap. You're well, you're sort of it's like skipping the level. It's like this is too hard. I'm just going to. Yeah. <laughs> going to self-medicate here. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I still think there probably needs to be something that is a little extra fantastical and gamey in terms of our unremarkable power uh, beyond the limitations that you've imposed um, that, that maybe there is something that is um, you know, you have a very limited use of this thing that allows you to get around some of these problems. Right. Um, maybe it's like um, uh, a little, it's like clippy, you know, the Microsoft paperclip, <laughs> except it's like scalpel-y or something. I don't know what, what like a surgical tool or something that like, you know, once a level, you can use it to like, that's your unremarkable power to like kind of, kind of make things a little bit easier uh, for you to, to streamline your process just a touch. Yeah. Kind of like a, a, a suture, a suture mama. <laughs> <laughs> I think I know where you're going with that. Suture Mama comes in and, you know, stitches it up, right? Yeah. So it's like you're extremely competent nurse, essentially. Right. Um, only maybe we'll 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 rename a little bit there. And uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, okay. I mean that that would be a good fit for it. Like the unremarkable power is that as the doctor, you're actually not terribly adept, but you have really competent support staff. <laughs> Ooh. Maybe that's maybe that's really the crux of it is like you are you are coming in after this incompetent uh, uh, Mr. Magoo style doctor and you are trying to make the best of a bad situation. You're you're fixing the cosmetic surgery gone awry. You are. You know, I think we actually now have something that's got legs because here's the deal uh, in my mind is what if you are both mm. first with really limited abilities and you're really constrained you're gonna botch it up there's no way to do it well but you still have to do it and do your best at not doing it well and then it moves you into the next phase where you now are much more competent but you've got a bad you've got a bad situation that you're that you're having yeah. to do the cleanup work on yeah um the unremarkable the whole point is to make it look like something did not go wrong right so 
you know. That. I like the sound of that. So, like, you know, it, it, somebody had a you know, hip replacement, say, <laughs> and the ball is just like kind of socketed into the wrong spot. This is a much more advanced level <laughs> because it was the best that you were able to do in the phase one. And now in phase two, you got to come in here and go back in there. The patient's still on the table. Let's say that you're not doing a second surgery on top of somebody's botched surgery. That's just terrible. <laughs> but now you, you get to go back in there and you get to you get to clean it up and make it look like nothing bad ever happened at all. Or maybe you don't even. It's so bad that you can't even do that much. It's like you're grafting another hip on top of. Okay, yeah. Unsalvageable hip. And this goes with the fact that it's very cartoony. So right. that way you can still have like and you know, maybe a lot of the creatures that you're that you're working on are not necessarily normal human shaped anyway. There's kind right. of all kinds of weird critters. Um to make it less unquieting when uh after the surgery you got like a happy little weird octopus creature or something. <laughs> it doesn't care that it's got a tentacle coming off of its head. All right. And those games were, uh, uh, I think it was called Trauma Center. Oh, on the Trauma Surgeon, Trauma. Uh, well, now anyway. I'm not, not so sure, but um, <laughs> those were the old, uh, the old Switch and uh, not Switch GameCube. Wii, Wii was like a Switch GameCube. Oh, oh, okay, Trauma Center. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the ones that I haven't played in this case. Yes, right. Um. Mm. But yeah, I think we I think we have enough for those uh, eggheads over at the Paul and Moses Game Jam to uh, you know to dig into. So this week from Quiet Fork Studios, it's unremarkable surgery, surgery power. power. <laughs> Honestly, I'm still curious about Quiet Fork Studios. So what a great name, right? I think so too. These forks are generally yeah. quiet. Like a knife will make noise as it's uh, serrating. A nice baguette, but a fork tends to just uh, sort of plunge in without a sound. Mm. Mm. Yes. Well, uh, we are about to plunge into the final bit of the show, which is the goodbyes. Uh, Moses, thanks as always for being here with us this evening. Of course, Paul. And I think more importantly, Mike, thanks for joining us tonight. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was, uh, again, a, a pleasure and to be a part of it like this is, is special. I won't yeah. forget it. Same. Right Thank on. Yeah, absolutely. And it'll be uh, on the Internet forever. But uh, until then, uh, thanks as well to everyone out there for listening to this week's episode of Paul and Moses Play. If you have a question, a comment or a submission, you can email us at paulandmosesplay at gmail.com. We'll see you next week. And until then, never, never stop, stop, stop playing. playing.